Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. We had a good trip. The trip that he was talking about, if you don't know this, and I'm sure that some of you don't know this, there was a group of us here at Grace and then also some from Beth Messiah, and we joined another congregation from uh, Frederick, Maryland, El Shaddai congregation, and we went to Egypt, Jordan, and Israel. It was very cool. It was a good trip, and uh, we made it home. <clears throat> Praise God. You know, going is easy, coming back is something else. And, and it, was, uh, it was an experience, I'll tell you that. We, we didn't know... You know, you don't know sometimes what you don't know. And when we're at the airport in Egypt, we flew into Cairo, and there was somebody who met us, and he said, in in the morning, we'll have your tour guide and security officer. Security officer just got slid under the radar there. I didn't know there was a security. And I'm setting the tour up for us, right? And I didn't know there was a security officer. And he was very impressive because he carried two machine pistols. And it just makes you wonder what you need machine pistols for. And then at different points in Cairo, I mean, in the actual city of Cairo, we had police escorts. And uh, driving through the country, we had police escorts. And at one time, we had two police vehicles in front of us and one behind us. And I thought, this is, this is, uh, this is odd. And when we got to Israel, the Israeli tour guide said, yeah, I'm really surprised that you came through Egypt. Nobody does that anymore. It's too dangerous with Hamas. <laughs> now I know, <laughs> you know. So anyhow... It was a good trip. It was a, it was a good trip, and I'll speak more to that in a minute. But I know while we've been gone, while we've been doing these things, you here have had your own adventures. The parenting seminar I heard was very, very good for those of you who were able to make it. I heard that was excellent from a number of people, both in Grace and also at Beth Messiah yesterday. I heard the same thing. Thursday night, uh, I was here for this, although I, I'll tell you, and I'm going to make an excuse for myself right now. I, have you ever dealt with jet lag? Yeah, yeah. So, I'm dying. We've been back for a while now, but I'm still struggling mightily. And uh, Israel is eight hours ahead of us, so it's well past lunchtime. <laughs> Anyhow, <clears throat> Thursday we had a, we, our building hosted a town hall. And we had two tables in front. Our older woman, Nakia Dodd, asked for this. Praise God. Glad to do it. Glad to be involved in our community. We want to figure connect the gospel. So I was able to invite a number of people to our church from that. Um, so they had two group, two tables in front, and uh, different representations from different forms of city support. So there was somebody from sanitation, somebody from water, somebody from you get the idea. These different different areas, and it was kind of interesting to watch them. I was in the back, and, and every now and then somebody would read our vision statement on the wall. And number two, our local government. So I just see them, and then I would, I talked to three different people after, after the meeting, and I said, you know, as a church, we care very much what happens in our government. We believe if we do our job right in praying for the city and supporting what you do, not politically, I'm not talking about Republican and Democrat, but if we do our job right to support and to pray and these other things, then your job will be right. Your job will be good. And, and you know, they kind of looked and they said, yeah, this is important to you, isn't it? Because I read it in the wall. <laughs> Three different people brought that up and they were sitting at different parts of the table so they weren't talking amongst each other. They, they had observed this on their own. And on June 16th, we have our newest state representative, and I have to remember, Lakeisha Myers. And she beat out a long-term person named Fred Kessler. I don't know if you followed this at all. But she'll be here in the second service on June 16th and let us pray for her. 
So we're not going to talk politics. But we had that conversation. We're not, it's not about coming in, there's no political agendas, it's nothing like that. If you're interested in her political agenda, you'll have to follow that yourself. But we can pray for her, that the Lord gets a hold of her or encourages her if she's a believer and does these things in her life because we want to see these people won over to the gospel. Amen? Amen. That is our mission here. We are not a political congregation. Some of them will, some congregations will be very, very political. We are political for our king. Yes. And that's a priority. So I'm excited about this stuff. Um, that's June 16th. There'll be other announcements. And I know while I was gone, other things happened. Lives went on. You went to work. You stayed home. You slept. You ate. And you had everything in between all of that, right? <sighs> our trip. I want to tell you a little bit about our trip. I had an, a, something of an epiphany on this trip, and it started out of crabbiness. <laughs> um, full disclosure, my epiphany started when I was most crabby. You ever had that happen before? Yeah. Jeff and Judy will understand. My parents will understand. Ron and Helen, those of you who went, will understand. So let's look at the first slide. Let's go ahead and start. So pictures. pictures. I'm going to share some photos. How many of you remember the old days with slide chink chink? Yeah. Chink chink. You know what I'm talking about? Chink chink. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're like, what's he talking about? You know, there used to be little square things and horrible. So. <clears throat> We started our trip in Egypt, and we saw some, you know, different things. It was kind of, it was neat. My, I, I was most looking forward to, I really was very excited to take, we had an ATV ride, a quad ride, through the desert to the pyramids. Cool, right? Eh, it was cool to do it. We didn't go very fast. We were, drove next to a dead horse. So, I mean, there were low points in the trip. <laughs> but the trip itself was, was an adventurous trip. When I say dead horse, that thing did not look good. And it was... So we, we started... A, a, one of our spots was this spot. And without saying what it is, please don't say what it is. How many of you know what this is? Okay. All right. So we got everybody that went on the trip plus one other. Did your parents tell you? I've already seen the photos, too. So they did. They did. Okay. There's a monastery built around this, and they really believe, and this is what starts something. You know, it's funny. If we go look at the scripture, a lot of people think that the Lord started loving people in the beginning with Jews. We know that's not true. He started loving people with the beginning of the world, right? Correct. Amen? Exactly. And, and then there's this journey, and then later Moses comes in the picture. He's 80 years old, and what does he see? A burning bush. People believe this is the bush. They believe it. And it's over 1,000 years old. It's actually over 1,500 years old. It's been tended and cared for in this monastery. It was moved at one point to this spot. And this is the, the great, 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 great grandchild of the original burning bush. Now, is it? I have no idea. They were convinced. And there's about 50 monks in there that believe this is the burning bush. So we, and I, le I left that, I didn't crop the people's heads. I wanted to get a proportion of what, what this is. But this starts really Moses' story. I mean, we know it starts earlier in the Nile, but as a man and his actions as a man leading people, this is where kind of it begins. Maybe this is the bush, maybe not. I don't know. So it starts here. Now, <laughs> I'm going to get to my crabby spot in a minute. <laughs> We know what happens. Moses sees the bush. He goes to Egypt, and he approaches Pharaoh and says, let, let, let my people go. 
And uh, all of these signs start to occur. And finally, we're at the last sign. And the Lord says something to Moses. Go ahead, Dylan. He says this in uh, Exodus 12. This is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for what? Sometime. <laughs> all time. So God says this. This is a big deal for all time, generation to generation. And I skip a couple verses there because he talks about how to celebrate it, and I, I didn't want to key on that. But a little further down, verse 17, celebrate this festival on unleavened bread. We also know it as? Passover, Pesach, any number of different short expressions for it. So celebrate this uh, festival on leavened bread, for it will remind you that I have brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. Over 400 years living there, now they're going to go. This festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day from generation to generation. A permanent law. Celebrate from generation to generation. This is a big, big deal. Now we know what happens. The final, <coughs> the final plague comes. You know, there's door blood, lamb's blood in the doorposts of the Israelites that are there, and so their children live. Their firstborn lives, and the Egyptians didn't put that on, so their firstborn died. And it was a horrible time, and then they start this journey. Let's look at this picture. Okay, now. I, I want to apologize. Some of these pictures will have little edges that will be black or there'll be a little bit of glare maybe. That's because we were in the bus and they told us in the bus it was unsafe to get out and take photos. So <laughs> I did the best I could. You know, we're in a bus moving down the highway. Um, this is the desert. You, you with me? They walked across this. And by the way, I have to, I have to apologize for my ignorance. I was telling everybody before our trip that I'm going to take a quad ride in the Sahara Desert. And I felt really good about myself until our tour leader said, Sahara means desert. So all this time I've been saying I'm going to take a quad ride in the desert desert. If you knew that, thank you for not making fun of me earlier. So this is their journey. They start, they leave, they leave the land of Goshen, they go to... Uh, where the Lord's leading them, and they have to walk through this. And this is not interesting. And it's not interesting <laughs> to drive through. I will guarantee it. It's all beige. What did you see? I saw beige. And when I looked in the other windows in the other side of the bus, it was beige. And when I looked behind me, it was beige. The only thing that was interesting was watching the Egyptian police force in front of us. There's nothing to see. But that's okay, because as our bus drove, we saw more stuff. Go ahead, Dylan. Like this. <laughs> And more stuff, Dylan, like that. Now, the ground clearly is changing here, and I, I'm thinking of those, this is the part where I started to get crabby, okay? And I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a long ride. And we were in the bus for hours, actually, spread it over a couple days. We drove a long way. And I'm getting crabby at this point, thinking, oh, come on, I don't want to ride in the bus. And back then, they didn't have arrows on the street. So my... <clears throat> My epiphany was this. Those poor schlubs had to walk this whole way. At least I'm going fast. I don't know how fast, because I couldn't read the speedometer, but at least I'm going quickly. Our group is moving. Wow, I have no reason to be crabby. That's the truth. That's, my That's a true epiphany. But <clears throat> fortunately for me, things got better. Go ahead, Dylan. <laughs> but... You notice it's getting, the, the ground's becoming, it's soft, but it's getting a little more hilly, right? Go ahead, Dylan. 
Now the rocks start. And for miles and miles and miles, all you see is rock. Very little sand, lots and lots and lots of rocks. So I think of those poor souls. They go through the sand, and then they have to go over the rock. Right? You with me on this? Go ahead, Dylan. More rock, a lot of rocks. And finally, go ahead, Dylan. Now there's a little bit of a, you see kind of some huts there. I just want you to know that's modern-day tchotchke shops. Modern-day souvenir stands, that's what that is. At the foot of what they believe might be Mount Sinai. So they walked all that way along their journey, and what do they find? Well, they believe is this may not be the one. The Bedouins say it is, the nomads in the area. Other people say it's not. But we can visualize what it would have looked like now, right? And we can visualize that Moses had to go up. And in our group, Kevin Fosside went up. Kevin is a mensch. He's a man. He celebrated the going up of Moses getting the law. I celebrated staying down. I think both were equal celebrations. So <clears throat> that's a long way up. And we know what happens when, when he goes up. He gets the law. And remember that command in Exodus. Remember this as a lasting ordinance. Amen. You remember that? When Moses comes down with the law, but which, by the way, was more than just ten commandments. Everybody remembers ten, but there's more there. Many more, hundreds more. Moses comes down, and, he, and he's got this. And today, many believers think in the terms of ten commandments. And Jews, of course, traditional Jews today, they also have ten commandments. But you know, the, the traditional Jews today don't remember the exact same ten commandments that Christians do today. I like the Jewish Ten Commandments much better. I will tell you, much better. Because with that command from the Lord in mind, let's look at the difference. Go ahead, Dylan. Traditional Jewish Ten Commandments. Number one, I am the Lord your God who has taken you out of the land of Egypt. But in churches, that's not remembered well. The first commandment in churches is, you shall have no other gods before me. Isn't that fascinating? Both are in the passages, the same passages, same scriptures in the Bible. But Christians like to start theirs a little bit later in the passage. It's good to remember the Exodus. It's good to remember the Passover. Are you with me? This is a big holiday. And it was a big journey to go through that desert. And lots and lots of stuff happened for many, many years in that time. It's good to remember. And, you know, when the, when the Lord gave this the law, when the Lord gives this to Moses, the very first, I mean, this is while they're living that experience. Don't forget, I am the Lord who took you over to the land. Now we fast forward and we move all the way to the time of Jesus. And he does his life, he goes through his life and he goes through his ministry and he's ready to, uh, it's just about the time that he's going to be crucified. And we're going to look at another verse. Go ahead, Dylan. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal. with." You know what he's doing? He's remembering. Even Jesus remembered that lasting ordinance from generation to generation. Now we're at the point where even Jesus remembers. I've been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this again until the meeting is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said... Take this and share it amongst yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples. 
You say, uh, this, is, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So all of a sudden, something interesting at this Passover meal happens. He connects this very, very old command with a very contemporary Jesus, contemporary faith. It's a most amazing transition. And even later on, we, we find other parts in the verses. Well, let's keep reading there for a minute. We'll just look at it. We'll look together. Go ahead, Dylan. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. He's talking about his blood. All covenants are, were confirmed in blood then. There's something about the blood that the God's been doing for all these years. But he's connecting, again, this story. He's connecting this story. Go ahead, Dylan. To the point where when we see Paul, he says, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. And I love when John the Baptist says this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away sins of the world. This is before Jesus had even died. Before Jesus had made that statement at at Passover. So we've got this whole journey. The importance of the Exodus. God, what God does for his people. All this journey, and we see it come into practice. And a connection even with what Jesus himself does. If we, would, if we had the time, we could look at all through the scriptures and see the story of the Exodus talked about again and again and again and again and again by David, by Isaiah, m- multiple prophets in the scriptures. So when Jesus shows up, he's continuing the story of talking of the Exodus. The Exodus is good to remember. It's not just a history spot. It's not this blip in our faith journey. It's a part of a whole sequencing of what God's doing. It's an important part of where we come from. It's an important part of who we are. And the stories, the reminders of the Exodus are humongous. They're colossal. For example, and I'm just going to share some this morning. Number one, the mightiest problems. The mightiest problems cannot stop God. Egypt was a mighty problem, wasn't it? But it couldn't stop God. After 430 years, he takes the Israelites out. They did nothing. They did nothing to be liberated. He did it all. In in doing this, he crushed the Egyptian economy. I mean, just crushed it. He wiped out uh, crops. He wiped out livestock. Their economy, they, they, they needed that industry, they needed to feed their people, but they also needed to sell and to to export to other places. They were a large powerhouse uh, nation in the region, and they needed to sell, and they needed to move this stuff. So he crushed their economy, God did. Their health, they had boils and lice. The Egyptians were just suffering through that stuff. And again, there was food that was just ravaged by the, some of the plagues that had gone through. God crushed that. He affected their health. Uh, their military, with the sea closing in on them, they were the mighty military uh, in the world at the time. Historians believe that they were the, the, the strongest military force. which was literally just obliterated. The, Egypt, the Israelites did nothing. God obliterated that. And their population, of course, with the death of the firstborn, was just annihilated. And what did the Israelites do? Nothing. When God is behind something, nothing will stop it. Nothing. We think of the Exodus, that's one of the things we take out of this. There's nothing in our life that that's big, that's so big that God won't stop. Nothing. How can we forget the Exodus, amen? What about this? God led them. 
You know, when the Israelites got out and they got to that desert, I've got to tell you, it's very disorienting. I'm driving, and at first, when we left Cairo, I see the city around, and I have a sense of where I am. The city's here. I'm going this way. I'm going out of the city. But once we were out in the desert for a while, I had no sense of where I was anymore. It's just all beige. It all looks the same. I mean, it really does. So <clears throat> God was very compassionate. When the Israelites got out walking, he led them with a cloud by day and fire by night. They always knew where to go. If it stopped, that cloud stopped, they stopped. If the cloud moved, they moved. It's not rocket science. He just kept it really simple for them, but he led them. God leads his people. If we forget the Exodus, we can forget that. We can never forget the Exodus because it's important that we always remember that God leads his people. Now he leads his people like this. You ready? Now, I would love to have a cloud. I mean, it would be great, wouldn't it? You drive home, God, should I go home now or should I go to Target? Where the cloud goes, oh, I'll go there. <laughs> but now he leads by his word. We have a heart connection. We have a life connection, our word. You know, if we walk out what his word says to do, our life is good. This sounds so simple, but so many times we don't want to do what his word says. Amen? That's too hard. We do his word, we're good. Number three. We don't want to forget the exodus. There are blessings in the desert times of our life. We might not see them, but they're there. For example, when the Israelites went through, their sandals never wore out. They, I've got to, I, I wonder how many of them even thought about their sandals wearing out. Right? If they're going from A to B, did some guy say, you know, did, did Shlomo, Solomon sit down and say, hey, my sandal is only going to make it another few miles here. We've got to pull over. I'm not going to, it's not going to work. But their sandals went through. 40 years of sandals. Such a bargain. Those are good sandals. <laughs> Number four. Being in a desert by choice, by choice, has a particular mental challenge. You know, there's times in our life being a, being a believer, following God by choice leads us into difficult seasons that people who are not believers don't have to deal with. We have challenges as believers that are distinct. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes the world, it looks so easy because they just like living in the moment, willy-nilly. But we don't have that luxury. Sometimes we, we say, okay, God, I'll go there. I'm going to follow you. And it seems like we are just sitting in some desolate, dry land. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what happened to the Israelites did that, don't you? They chickened out. They made an idol. Moses is on Mount Sinai, having his time with God, getting the, getting the law, getting the instruction. And what do the people do? Oh, Aaron, Moses has been up there a long time. He's probably, you know, who knows what's happening. Make us an idol. We're going to get back to the old ways. They, get, they, they didn't have the stomach to sit in the desert. We have to remember, when we're in the desert, we've got to have the stomach to stay. It's good to remember the Exodus. Amen? You staying with me on this? Yep. Number five, the Exodus reminds us that we need to tell our children what the Lord has done for us. It says in Exodus 10, tell your children. I'm telling my kids. Do you know what's a lot of fun as a parent? If you've been a believer for any length of time, if you've ever seen God do anything good in your life, tell your kids and have fun doing it. Your kids may roll their eyes. Ah. Tell them anyway. Tell them, tell them, tell them, tell them. And if it seems small to you, tell them anyway. If it seems big to you, tell them anyway. And if they forget, tell them again. 
We tell our children what the Lord has done in our lives. We tell them of the Exodus that they remember. We tell the Lord what the, we tell our children what He's done in our life too. Sometimes I tell my kids things and they go, "Yeah, that's cool." Other times I tell them they're like, "Nah, whatever." But I'm telling them. You with me? If we don't tell them who's gonna, don't wait for them to ask. It's very difficult to ask if they don't know what to ask. So, has the Lord ever given you money? You know, tell them what you've done. Tell them what you've experienced with God. Number six, remember the Exodus. Remember children. How many of you have been a child in your life? (laughs) Children, we remember that we're supposed to respect our parents. It says this in the law. Honor your father and mother so that all will go land and all will go well in the land in which you dwell. And it's speaking to the Exodus, the journey. We're, you know, I'm still a child of my parents. The best looking, the <laughs> oldest, the wisest, but I'm still a child of my parents. I need to honor them. And it just, you know, can I just, you, I'm going to say this to all of you people who, who, who I, If you, you know, we get older and we think we have all the answers ourselves. Amen? Sometimes our parents still know better. Yep. And we need to honor them. You with me? Yep. We may think, you know, I've arrived. I know more than my parents know. Wah, wah. <laughs> we need to remember that. So it goes well in the land in which you dwell. He's speaking to the Exodus, and I think it's important to call that out. Number seven, remember the Exodus. Everyone, the whole community, is to be involved. You know, that journey was a trip. I mean, they went. And it wasn't just, uh, the, it wasn't just you know, hey, you know, pack your suitcase, here we go. They had community roles, a number of them. Some of them were musicians. Some of them carried the bits and pieces of the community actions and the Mishkan. And they did things as a community. We see this connection in 1 Corinthians 12. We all have roles, don't we? So we walk out our roles together. If anybody's ever sitting in the sideline, "Mm, I'm too busy to have a role. Could you imagine how they would have been in the Exodus? Everybody's carrying their stuff. Everybody's doing all the work except for this one guy. You know, that guy. I'm too busy. My wife has too many clothes. I have too many clothes. My husband has too many clothes. My kids have too many clothes. I can only carry their stuff. If they would have lived like that, it would have been a horrible exodus. Who's, I have half the Mishkan. I've got half of that portable tabernacle. Who's got the other half? Oh, I couldn't carry it. It's back there. <laughs> You get what I'm saying here? We all pull the weight, and we remember that in the Exodus. Number eight, and finally, this is the key, and we went over this. That blood of the lamb, today we have Jesus' blood. He's our lamb. We have to remember that. The role of Jesus as our lamb, that is our saving grace. That is our saving grace. So there may be times in life that are really good or really bad. And if we're sitting in this room, we know we have the blood of Jesus as our saving grace, as our sacrifice lamb. So my journey there was uh, really beige. (laughs) But I was thinking, though, in, in putting this message together, I'm thinking about what's coming. And I'm thinking we have this week leading up to Well, there's Passover. Some of you will be going to the Seder on Friday. But also on Sunday, we'll think of the resurrection. And we'll go from that resurrection 
on that day. And Monday, we start a church fast for those who are available to start our church fast. Some, of, some folks, I know you can't fast. I know physically you can't do it. But pray anyway. Focus on a time of prayer. Be community. We've got this basically 10 days to really think of the goodness of God, both in the Exodus, in the resurrection, and for our congregation. What an outstanding time to really petition the Lord for our lives. What an outstanding time to look to draw closer to him than ever before. Maybe you don't feel good spiritually, but do it anyway. A week from Wednesday, we're going to have a worship service. Do you think, ah, I can't fast, I'm not going. Oh, come on. <laughs> come anyway. Look to, look to see your, your walk with God draw closer. Remember these things. Remember the Exodus. Remember the resurrection. We thank him for all of that. And remember that we're moving into that time, a week from Monday, a week from tomorrow, that we'll pray and really focus on this house, on this family, for a few days. We'll end it. After a time of fasting, we'll end it with um, a time of worship, just because he's God. Not because we want anything of him, but just because he's God, just because he's worth it, just because he's our sacrifice lamb. Amen? Yes. So please stand up. Thank you, Lord. I do thank you for bringing us back. Thank you for a good trip, and I thank you for keeping everybody safe here, Lord. I appreciate that you move in all of our lives, wherever we are, whether we're here or there or anywhere, Lord. You always look to draw us closer to you, to draw us to a deeper understanding of who you are and the relationship with us. We're humbled by the fact that you, King, you, God, would desire this kind of relationship with us. I pray for blessings in everybody's lives here, Lord, as we look to continue to develop our relationships with you. I pray for peace for homes, peace for families, and a better sense, Lord, again, of who you are, what we should do with you. Lord, I thank you for this time and this service and my friends and family, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. And this is only a peace that comes from him. Amen. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.